God bless you for being here today on this Sunday before Christmas. Wow. Can you believe it? Christmas is here. Are you finished with your shopping? Yeah? Well, if you're not, good luck. And uh, anyway, I know God has something in store for us today. I mean, here we are, three days from the most celebrated holiday in the world. Christmas is one of the few holidays that's celebrated all around the world. And have you ever wondered what makes it so, so magical? Well, one thing is that Christmas is that magical time of the year when you watch all of your money magically disappear. <laughs> Can I hear an amen? amen? But there are really three phrases that sum up Christmas. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men, and some assembly required. Obviously, most of you don't have small kids, or you would, you would understand that. But seriously, as Bart Simpson said, let's not forget the true meaning of Christmas. You know, the birth of Santa Claus. Hey, you guys aren't helping me at all today. I mean, so obviously we don't have any Simpson fans here. But with those idioms about Christmas, do you get the idea that the world has lost sight of the real meaning of Christmas? You see, when you read the first few pages of the Bible, you see God's desire, that his desire was to create the Garden of Eden so that he could have a personal fellowship with his creation. But Adam and Eve became full of pride, and they made the decision that separated mankind from God. And so in the Word of God, we see from Genesis chapter 3 all the way to the end of the Bible, we see God's method to build a bridge so that His creation, again, can have intimate fellowship with Him. And that's the meaning of Christmas. And that's why Christmas is so important. Jesus wrapped Himself in human flesh in order to build that bridge because God needed someone who understood Him and also who understood man. So God became man so he could hurt like you hurt. Jesus came to earth so that, he, so that he could feel what you feel. And so Christmas is important because when Jesus became a man, his entire life and death was about building that bridge so man could be reconciled to his creator. This is the final sermon in our Christmas series we've had, Christmas Dream. And we've used for our scripture passage, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And the word of God says, there were, there were in the same fields shepherds living, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. To you. you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling claws lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth, good will toward men. And so in these messages about Christmas, we've studied why Christmas 
is so important and why Christmas is such a big deal. The first reason was celebration, when the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy. Then last week we looked at the second reason, which was salvation, because the angel said, for unto you a Savior has been born. And the third reason we're going to look at today is reconciliation and peace. Because the angel said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards all men. So what does reconciliation mean? Well, when a broken relationship is restored, that is reconciliation. When a son who has been estranged from his dad comes back into his life and there is harmony and peace, and there, and there, is, there, there is harmony and peace in that relationship, that is reconciliation. When I get on my hands and knees and ask Starla how many pair of shoes it's going to take to get out of the doghouse, that is reconciliation. And that's why the angel said, peace on earth, goodwill towards all men. And that's why Christmas is important. And so during this happiest time of the year, which we hear Andy Williams sing about seven times a day, could there be an area in your life that could use some peace and some goodwill? Because if you ask someone, where would you like to see peace? Undoubtedly, you would hear, well, in the Middle East, they need peace there. You'd hear, I'd like to see peace in broken families. Someone would say, I'd like to, I'd like to see peace in Washington, D.C. And I say, don't hold your breath. But more than likely, you would hear people say, especially those that are, that are familiar with the, the Christmas story, you would hear people say, I would like to have peace on earth. I would like for there to be peace everywhere. Are you serious? Peace everywhere? I mean, is it even conceivable to believe that there could be peace everywhere? I mean, we're all intelligent. We're all sophisticated. So isn't, isn't it really an unrealistic hope to believe on peace on earth and goodwill towards all men? I mean, I can't even keep my sister happy. How am I going to have peace with everyone? Well, here's the thing. You have to understand that there will never be peace in the nations until there is peace in the communities. And there's never going to be peace in the communities until there is peace in families. And there are never going to be peace in families until there is peace in you and me. And we will never have peace until we invite the Prince of Peace to come and reign on the throne of our heart. And that's when there will be peace on earth, goodwill toward all men. You see, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so what does the Prince of Peace do? Well, the Prince of Peace gives us the peace that we have with God. The Prince of Peace gives us the peace of God that comes into our heart, and He will demonstrate the peace that we should have with each other. So to begin with, let's talk about peace with God. Now, I don't know if you realize it or not, but if you are living your life without God, you are at war with God. There are no neutral nations in a spiritual battle. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 7 says, The sinful nature is always hostile to God. Now, you may never say it in words, but your actions say, Hey, God, I've got this. I can make it on my own just fine. And if that's your attitude, if that's the way you live your life, you're at war with God, and you need to make a peace treaty with your maker this morning. Today, you need reconciliation because your relationship with your creator has been broken. But I want you to know today that Jesus Christ came into this world to build a bridge over the troubled waters of your life, and he came so that I could be reconciled to God. And when we trust him, he will make our hurts and our heartaches disappear. No, that does not mean that he takes the pain away. No, that does not mean that we will not have struggles. What it means, though, is that I will never be alone in my pain. You see, because Jesus says, Mike, I'm going to wipe away everything wrong that you've ever done, and I'm going to forgive you so you can come back home to me. That's why Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, having been justified, justified, which means being made right with God, Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Growing up in a preacher's home, I've heard all my life, people ask someone on their deathbed, have you made peace with God? Have you made peace with your maker? Well, today, hopefully you are not on your deathbed. Obviously, some of you are. Let me ask you on this Sunday before Christmas, have you made peace with God? If you haven't, you need to, because I want you to know one day, every one of us are going to stand before the Heavenly Father. And it's not out of the realm of imagination to believe that some of us could have our appointment with Him today. Bless you. We need to make peace with our God. Now, let me tell you how that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen by being perfect, because no one is. It's not going to happen by even promising to be good, like kids promise their parents at Christmas time. You see, you make peace with God, the Bible says, by faith. Faith in God's grace, faith in the story of Christmas, that Christ came to earth to take your place so that even though you were yet a sinner, he could make you righteous through his grace. That is how you have peace with God for eternity, by putting your trust in him. And once you've made peace with God, then you get the peace of God in your heart. And friend, that's how you live a life of victory. You see, I have peace with God, which equals spiritual peace now and for eternity. But then I have the peace of God in my life here on earth, which equals emotional peace for me to live an overcoming and victorious life. And then when I have that, all of a sudden the stress level goes down. All of a sudden when you have the peace of God in your life, you shouldn't be as angry as you used to be. And that should translate into giving your horn some time off as you drive down the highway. That should also translate in that you should let your finger rest. I'm talking about the finger you press the horn with. What were you thinking about? 
Now notice I said should. Because a lot of people who have made peace with God have forgotten that the peace of God should be alive in their heart. And so when you've made peace with God, you ought to be a lot more patient. Things shouldn't bother you as much as they used to. You ought to have more love and more peace in your life than you used to have before you were saved. Why? Because a supernatural peace that is not of this world is now living on the inside of you. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And what that means is, friends, is that you have a choice. You can pray or you can panic. You can worship or you can worry. But the truth is, if we would pray as much as we worry, we wouldn't have near as much to worry about. But what do we do? We spend most of our time stewing without doing and panicking instead of praying, and it never solved one problem that we have in our life. But I will tell you today that prayer does change things. So Paul says, don't worry, be happy. Because in Christ, you can have a supernatural peace. And when your circumstances try to convince you to worry, remember that you have the peace of God living inside of you. And so instead of worrying, do what Paul says, pray about everything, thank God for what he's done, and then tell him what you need. And God is there. And if you'll do this, you'll experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can comprehend his peace will calm your heart and mind because it is the peace that passes human understanding you know christmas is important because we should be celebrating the prince of peace as Christians, we are supposed to be selling God's gift of peace to the world around us, but we're so full of anxiety during the holidays about family and about budgets and about relationships that, frankly, we're not very good salesmen. And the biggest mistake Christians make during this time of year is acting like that they're not Christians at all. But look with me at the 131st Psalm. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty. Neither do I concern myself with great matters, not with things too profound for me. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Now I'm sure that you've seen hungry babies and even when their mama is fixing them a bottle, they are still losing their mind. No patience. I mean, you're going to hear from them until you stuff a bottle in their cry hole. Why? Well, because obviously they want something to eat. But the older a baby gets, as it's weaned, the baby learns that satisfaction is on its way. Of course, the baby still gets hungry, but it learns, hey, you know what? Those big people fed me the last time I was hungry, so I believe maybe they're going to come through for me again. And so a child that's weaned can still be hungry, but be at peace in his mother's lap without crying. Unlike the unweaned child. And a lot of Christians are the same way because we don't trust our Heavenly Father. We don't have the peace of God in our lives, and so we're like an unweaned child going crazy because of our needs and our wants. 
But when we get to the place of trust where there is a supernatural peace of God in our hearts, we are able, even with the world falling apart around us, we are still able to trust in our God. Friend, I want you to know I can rest in the hands of my Savior. Because I don't know about you, but my God has never let me down. And he's never given up on me, and he's not going to give up on me today. So the psalmist said, I'm not going to concern myself with all the trouble that's going on in the world. I'm not going to worry about impeachment or not. I'm not going to worry about if I get that new red rocket bicycle for Christmas. I'm going to leave it in the hands of God, and then I'm going to rest like a child in the arms of my mama. And that really sounds good, but listen to how most of the world sums up life. H.G. Wells, a famous historian and philosopher, at age 61 said, I have no peace and life is at the end of the tether. The poet Brian said, Byron said, my days are in yellow leaf. The flowers and the fruit of life are gone. The worm, the canker, and the grief are mine alone chipper isn't it the literary genius Thoreau said most men live lives of quiet desperation Ralph Barton one of the top cartoonists of the nations left this note pinned to his pillow the night he committed suicide I've had few difficulties many friends great successes I have gone from wife to wife, from house to house, visited the great countries of the world, but I am fed up with inventing devices to fill up 24 hours of the day. As you can see, men with no peace. But listen to me. The Christmas story is all about his peace and the hope that God brings. God gave a promise to this world, and God gave a promise to you, so do not lose hope in that promise. It may not happen the way you want it to. It may not happen when you want it to, but God never goes back on his promises, so have hope in him this Christmas season. You can trust him. And that's what ha that is what is having his peace in your life does. Jesus said in John 14, 27, my peace I, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. And friend, when you have peace with God and the peace of God in your life, that means you ought to have peace with other people. Romans chapter 12, 18 says, if, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. God wants you to be reconciled with people. Starl and I have been blessed to travel to many places in the world. But I want you to know no matter where I've been from fourth world countries to Oklahoma City, I have seen the same problems. Conflicts between brothers and sisters. Clashes between ethnic groups. Conflicts between husbands, wives, and kids. Ethnic group problems. Language group problems. Disputes between nations. Did you notice I slipped in there, brothers and sisters? I didn't, know, I didn't know if you heard that or not. I just kind of slipped that in there trying to pass it by. But ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know the greatest need in our nation and the world is reconciliation. And that's why on that first Christmas, the angel announced peace on earth and goodwill towards all men. 
That is God telling us, hey, once I've shown you grace, I want you to show grace to other people. God says, hey, I've cut you some slack, so why don't you cut the person sitting next to you some slack? And don't hold them to a standard that's higher than the one I held you to. We need to show compassion, and we need to give some grace. There's an old story about two friends who were walking through the desert. And halfway through, they had an argument. And one friend slapped the other friend in the face. The one who was slapped felt hurt. But without saying anything, he wrote in the sand, Today my best friend slapped me in the face. Well, they kept on walking until they found an oasis where they decided to swim to cool off. And the one who had been slapped around began to drown. And his friend saved him. And when he recovered from the ordeal, he wrote on a stone, Today my best friend saved my life. And so his friend asked him, Why after I hurt you did you write in the sand, but now you write on a stone? The man smiling said, When a friend hurts us, we should write it down in the sand where the winds of forgiveness can erase it. And when something great happens, we should engrave it on the stone of the memory of our heart where no wind or no man can take it away. Folks, we need to be a peacemaker. Jesus said in chapter 5, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And listen, when you have peace with God, there ought to be the supernatural peace of God in your heart, and then that should flow out of your life to be reconciled with people and have peace with them. If you're really a child of God, you will be a peacemaker and not a troublemaker. Not at work, not at home, not at school, and certainly not at church. You'll build people up instead of tearing them down. You'll compliment more than you'll criticize. And you will love people the way that Jesus loves people because the supernatural peace of God is enabling you to be a peacemaker. If you truly know Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. You see, Christmas is a perfect time to let other people know about God's grace. Especially this time of year when we're reminded of His grace, it ought to show in our lives and it ought to show in our lives so we can give it to others. Because here's the thing. God did not give us what we deserve. Thank God God gave us what we did not deserve. And so, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now understand, some people won't receive reconciliation. But when you've tried, at least you've done what God has asked you to do. So let me ask you this morning, who do you need to build a relationship with this Christmas? Who do you need to be reconciled with? Because you see, that's the very spirit of Christmas. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. 
And you may be here today and you say, Mike, I hear you, I know it, but I just can't do it. I just can't do it. When my family gets together at Christmas time, it raises a lot of bad memories. All of the hurts, all the dysfunctions come back. And you say, I just can't let go of it. I just can't. They hurt me too bad. I cannot forgive them. And you know what? You're right. That's why you need Jesus. That's why you need Jesus. See, you don't have it in you to be able to get over it. You need to be filled with the love and the peace of Christ to be able to let go of it. And until that happens, you'll never be able to let go of the past of your pain. Listen, if you're holding on to it, it's not hurting them. It's hurting you. They're the ones holding you hostage today because of your unwillingness to let go of what happened yesterday. And the only way that you can truly forgive other people is when you feel truly forgiven yourself. And that comes from inviting the peace of God into your heart. I mean, we've all been hurt. We've all been betrayed. We all know what it's like to feel alone. And I know what you've experienced in your life wasn't good because of the things that you've had to go through. But I want you to know something today. All of that, all of the trial, all of the trauma, all of that has pointed you to this one moment. Because I want you to know something, friend. You're not here by accident. God knew before you were born that you would be in this Christmas service today. Before God ever created the universe, he knew that he was going to create you. And if he can create all of the majesty and magnitude of everything, he had no problem arranging for you to be able to hear about his love and his peace in this service today. God loves you. Before your parents were born, before your grandparents were born, God knew that on December 22nd, 2019, you would be sitting right where you're sitting. We think so much is just happenstance, but it's not. It's God's orchestrating your steps. And God has pointed you to this moment so he could get your attention because he wants to tell you, I've seen your hurt. I've seen your pain, and I've never stopped loving you. I've never stopped. And he wants you to know today, friend, that you matter to him. God says, I made you so that I could love you, and I've just been watching and waiting for you to love me back. God's saying, you're not here by accident. I want the rest of your life to be the best of your life. And I want to save you from your past. I want to save you for the purpose I made you for. And I want to save you by my grace. And God is saying, if you will let me do that, I will give you my peace. You see, that's God's message to us today. That's the message that he wants to get through to us. Peace with God, the peace of God, and peace with other people. But you see, you have to open the door. And you have to receive the Christmas gift of peace. <clears throat> you know, if I gave Starla a gift this Christmas and she refused to open it, which is not going to happen, we, <laughs> we, we know that, but if I did, I'd be disappointed. I'd be hurt. Well, you have to know that Jesus is God's Christmas gift to you. 
And so many have experienced Christmas after Christmas, and they've celebrated and they've celebrated, but they've never opened the greatest gift that's under the tree, the gift of salvation. It's God's greatest gift to humanity. Why even celebrate Christmas if we're going to leave the best gift 